Welcome to another episode of Two Guys, One Topic. I'm Ollie. And I'm Liam. And for those of you that don't know, or if we've got any new listeners around the world, each episode we take a topic that we know next to nothing about, and we give ourselves a week to read and research all about it. Uh, The idea is that we do the hard work, and then we share what we feel are the most important pieces of information with you, our listeners. That is exactly what we do, Liam. And just so everybody knows, we are not experts in anything that we talk about on the pod. This is just a summary of our findings. Hopefully, by sharing some knowledge with you, we can all learn a little bit more about a whole lot of things. That is exactly right. And today we've got a good one to learn about. So let's get on with this week's topic, which is the Nobel Prize. Okay, Ollie, Nobel Prize, or as I nearly said then, the Nobel Peace Prize. What did you know about the Nobel Prize before we started this week? Yeah, very little. And it's one of those things where I think I always slip up by calling it the Nobel Peace Prize rather than calling it the the Nobel Prize. I didn't really know too much about it. It's people who seem to have done good things in certain fields of work. Um, I know that you and I accidentally bumbled into the building where they present the awards in Oslo. And I don't think we were too sure about that until we were actually in the building. Um, but no, not not too much, actually. How about yourself? Um, yeah, pretty similar. I, I, well, I thought it was called the Nobel Peace Prize for a start, which it turns out it's not. And actually, when I think about it, I, I've seen the Big Bang Theory and Sheldon Cooper tries, he wins a Nobel Prize, doesn't he? But that's, in hindsight, not a Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> so, um, no, other than that, yeah, like you said, we, we've been to Oslo and we bumbled into one of the buildings where they present the awards. Uh, obviously, we didn't know anything about it at the time, just that it was a pretty big deal. Um, so, yeah, not a whole lot, but that's sort of the point of the podcast, isn't it? And, you know, I don't really. imagine many of our listeners know a whole lot about it. So hopefully we're going to knowledge them up a little bit. It's super interesting this week just to understand where it came from, how it all started and a little bit more about it. So let's let's jump right in then. And shall I say, like, why is there a prize in the first place? Yeah, crack on. Go on. And this, this comes directly from the Nobel Prize website, doesn't it? So uh, yeah, some, we need to some of this stuff is is absolutely top quality information. Like you're not going to get this anywhere else. This is from the horse's mouth. Definitely. And we need to, yeah, shout a big shout out to them for for their website and the resources that they've got. Um, that's been a massive help for us this week when researching this. So the reason why there is a a Nobel Prize is that it was set up by someone who is termed as a businessman and entrepreneur on the Nobel Prize website called Alfred Nobel. And he died and he left the majority of his fortune to be devoted to people who have, as he put it in the will, those people who during the preceding year shall have conferred the greatest benefit to humankind in a number of different fields, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So fields, um, it was, what was it? Physics, chemistry, physiology or medicine, literature and peace. So we're five to begin with. That physiology or medicine was the, is the same one. Um, and then literature, peace, physics and chemistry. Um, so five awards, which is now four awards more than what I thought there was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so obviously I think the first thing we both looked up was who's this Alfred Nobel guy? 
Yeah. Like, why is he a big deal? How has he got all this money to fund this? And, uh, and what did he do? So this is super interesting for me. Yeah. He, but <laughs> quickly, he invented dynamite, basically, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's just jump straight in there. He invented dynamite. He devoted himself to studying explosives. And he tried to come up with a safer way. Well, nitroglycerine, which is the main ingredient, I think, in explosives, is highly unstable. Yes. And his brother had been killed in, an, in a nitroglycerine explosion. So he went about trying to come up with a safer way to transport it, to use it, and to, you know, so people don't explode, I guess. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. So it, it was a bit of a, a family business, wasn't it? It was him, his dad, and his brother were all um, chemists and physics related or able to excel in those sort of areas. And yeah, as you say, we're trying to come up with a safer way of, of using dynamite. And they, they managed to do it, but before they came up with it, one of their factories exploded and within it was his brother. And there was a, a newspaper ran an obituary to talk about the death of Mr. Noble, but they actually used Alfred Noble rather than his brother, didn't they? Yeah, basically the press sort of had a bit of a field day saying that it was a good thing that Alfred, who they thought was Alfred Noble, they said it was a good thing that he had died because, you know, here's this guy who's invented dynamite and didn't they call him the something to do with death? The The merchant of death death is dead. That was what the headline was. Yeah, so he's now reading this newspaper report saying that suddenly everybody's happy that he's died. And... Obviously, he doesn't like that very much. Um, he was concerned with perhaps the way he was going to be remembered, you know, if when if and when he really did die. So he sort of came up with a different plan, didn't he, to change everybody's opinion? Yeah. And just so everyone knows, we're talking about, this was 1888 when his brother died. And he didn't actually die until 1895. So we're talking a few hundred years ago, but he died and... I think it was unexpected because it was in his will where he then left this idea of then awarding people in those different fields of work that Leah mentioned with a prize. And it was a little bit controversial at the time because he died in 1895 and his last will and testament said about setting this up, but he didn't have any children. He didn't have a wife and people weren't really on board with doing this idea to begin with, were they? No, yeah, his bill was contested, wasn't it? So he came out. So he left about 31 million Swedish kroner. But in, like, nowadays money, that's north of $260 million. So this is not little money that he left behind. So obviously, when there's that sort of money floating around, people contest it, don't they, and, like, trying to get their dibs on yeah. it. Yeah, and yeah, it yeah. took a long time. It took five or six years before his... But, after he died, before the award started being awarded. Yeah, yeah. And you saying that $260 million in today's money, he made that from selling dynamite. So back in the day, in the late 1800s, this is when, um, you know, there was a lot of mining activity. So sold loads of dynamite when they were mining for coal and for, for different raw materials. Sold loads of dynamite for building work. So if they were trying to build tunnels for trains to go through, and sold it all over the world and made an absolute killing. 
um, selling dynamite because they now had this controlled way of using it rather than it being a really unreliable substance. And within his will, he left 94% of his fortune to the Nobel Prize. So he, in his will, he says, all of my realizable assets are to be dispersed as follows. The capital converted to safe securities and the interest on which is to be distributed annually as prizes to those who during the preceding year have conferred the greatest benefit to humankind. The interest is to be divided into five equal parts and distributed as follows, at which point he starts saying one part to the person who's made the most important discovery or invention in physics. And then he goes on to say about the most important chemical discovery, physiology and medicine, the one who's uh, done the done the most or best to advance fellowship among nations, the abolition of or reduction of standing armies and the establishment and promotion of peace. Yeah. So he actually says the interest on my money is going to go towards these prizes. And he went as far as to say who was going to be the, per- the person or people in charge of awarding them. Yeah. He was a, apparently a, a big fan of poetry as well which is partly why you then get the ones where you like in more of your your core science and then he then has literature as well because he he loved poetry um so apparently that was why it was in there so you you've mentioned that there are five awards that he laid out in his will but there is actually a sixth one now isn't there there's one for economics yeah which was created by the swedish central bank wasn't it and on there, we were debating how to say this word. On there, we think it's tercentenary. It's the three their three hundredth year of existence. Um, Sweden Central Bank set up a prize in economic sciences in memory of Alfred Nobel, didn't they? And that's that's the full name of it, isn't it? So you don't just win it. You don't just win the the Nobel Prize of economics. It is that full, full in memory of Alfred Nobel as well. Yeah, and that's a bit of a one-off, isn't it? There's there's no other prizes. That's that's your extra sort of bonus sixth one. Um, I don't know. I couldn't find out how highly regarded that one is versus the original five of physics, chemistry, medicine, peace, and literature. Oh, nice. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't didn't even think of that. Maybe we can um, ask a topic expert that question. Hey, wouldn't it be cool if we had a really good topic expert to interview <laughs> later on in the week? You know, like. Like maybe one of the top people who choose who wins the prizes. <laughs> yeah, Imagine the top, that. Top person involved at the Nobel Prize Foundation. Yeah. Maybe we can ask. So, so, so yeah, so there, there are six prizes in total. And exactly as you were saying, Alfred Nobel, he even stipulated in his will who should be responsible for selecting the Nobel Prize laureates. And yeah which countries it came from. I just said a word there, Nobel Prize laureates. This is a nice little bit of trivia, why it's called a laureate. It's to do with the, word, to, to do with the, the laurel wreath, isn't it? That in, in ancient Greece, they were awarded to visitors as a sign of honour. Put that together with the Nobel Prize, we get the Nobel Prize laureate. Nice. Uh, that's why they're called that. It's just an, an, like an honour thing, isn't it? And so Alfred Nobel, he was Swedish yep. from birth. And he then stipulated that it should then be Sweden that hands out the prizes. Yeah, not entirely Sweden, but like he actually chose like who. So he said the prize in physics and chemistry, 
the prices for physics and chemistry should be uh, their response. The person, the, the people responsible for that are the Royal Swedish Academy of Sciences, randomly. So they're in charge of who wins that prize. Yep. And he, he said it. And then um, the one for physiology or medicine was the Karolinska Institute. Random, like why the Swedish Academy for the Nobel, the Swedish Academy for the Nobel Prize in Literature. And a committee of five people to be elected by the Norwegian Parliament to choose the Peace Prize. So yeah, you're right. So there, there's one, there's one other one, the the Nobel Peace Prize, where that was to be decided by by Norway during during the time that Alfred Nobel was alive. Sweden and Norway were, were joined in a union, so they they worked very closely together as countries. But apparently, nobody's any the wiser why he has chosen Norway to be responsible for choosing the Nobel Peace Prize. He never actually documented the reason behind it anyway. Yeah. So yeah, four of them, sorry, five of them are done by by Swedish and then one of them is done by Norwegian. And they actually, this was, this was part of the reason why it took so long to get going. They themselves said that they wouldn't do it. When his will came out, like first of all, people were contesting the money, but also these different institutes said you know it took them a long time to get on board with what we've got to do these prizes like they didn't want to do it either yes so that sort of slowed the process down until eventually obviously somebody went right okay let's give out these prizes like he wants us to and, yeah uh, and and also still, just with it being like you said such a large amount of money where he said i want this to be to be going towards this and it is just the the interest from all of that money so it's just sat there isn't it all this money still, and then it's the interest from this money, which is then awarded out and given as prizes. Did you see anywhere how much you actually win for a Nobel Prize? Well, this year, they're, they're now on their website, they announce every year, this year is 10 million Swedish krona, which I think I, I checked, it's like 800,000 pounds. Something yeah, like it's that. like a million dollars-ish, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, each year is different though, because interest rates change. So if you look if you look back through the past, every year it's not always the same amount of money. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it's just the interest on that. So he's been paying, well, like five million dollars or something a year for a hundred. This has been going since nineteen oh one, mind. Up uh, very quickly though. There were some years when it didn't happen, right? During the oh, war, yeah. yeah. A couple of years, just for obvious reasons. Um, there's a few times during the war when it didn't actually happen during World War One and World War Two. But it's been going all that time, five million dollars a year or something since the nineteen hundreds. That's a lot of interest, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, absolutely. But not just anybody can get nominated. So if you're thinking, oh, I wouldn't mind having a bit of a slice of that pie. Um, yeah, I've probably done something quite good this year. How do I get myself nominated? There, there is even a strict process that he thought about and, and documented about how he wanted people to be awarded these as well, didn't he? Yeah, he set up like the whole thing, didn't he? The whole Nobel Nobel Prize, like, business or whatever umbrella thing like the whole thing was already planned yeah you need to be you need to be nominated by an eligible nominator self-nomination is not allowed Uh, but to become a nominator you also need to be invited to be one so how do you become one it's all a bit secretive i think um it's mainly academic people isn't it it's mainly people who already work at universities or they're already you know quite regarded within their field are then people who can then nominate yeah, because I guess they they can recognise other people doing fantastic. You know, if you're like a doctor of chemistry or something, you can probably recognise other people doing some pretty cool chemistry stuff. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, it's sort of around September, October time. They send out a bunch of nomination forms and all of these doctors or, or whoever, um, academics, they send off their nominations. And essentially it just gets whittled down like different committees whittle them down until you end up with just a few left. They then go to these companies we said to, to be, companies, these groups we said to to begin with, and then they end up choosing their one, don't they? It's a bit of a timeline to it, though. I didn't realise how long it took. So like, like you were saying, so it's September where they start putting all their thoughts together and nominating people. Your deadline for nomination is the 31st of Jan. So you've, yeah. you've, got, you've got a bit of time if you want to nominate Two Guys, One Topic podcast for next yeah. year. Yeah, they have about they have about between two hundred and fifty and three hundred and fifty generally are nominated per award. Yes, yeah, that's right. And then so it's thirty first of Jan is the cutoff. February March is the shortlist, as you said. Then gets whittled down, and then they're announced in October. So the Nobel Prize laureates are announced at the beginning of October. Yeah, and then they are given their prize in December, aren't they? On the tenth of December, which is the anniversary of his death. Which, yeah, that gap between, so you you win it, so you know that you've won it in October, but then the actual ceremony of you receiving your, your Nobel Prize isn't until December, on the 10th of December, which, which is the anniversary of his death. And you win the prize money that we said, but you then also get a gold coin, don't you? Yeah, and it's presented to you by the King of Sweden. When, when the ones in Sweden do anyway, they've they've already announced the winners for this year. This this pod will come out just before the uh, just before the tenth of December. But we already know who the winners are for this year, don't we? Yes. Yeah. Do you want to tell us? Do you want me to, well, I'm not going to tell you all of them. Pick pick one of the prizes. I'll tell you who's won it because there's loads of them. I, I got them all. Who's won the Peace Prize? Okay, the Peace Prize. Uh, journalists Maria Ressa and Dmitry A. Muratov were awarded the Nobel Peace Prize for their efforts to safeguard freedom of expression, which the Nobel Committee described as a precondition for democracy and lasting peace. Nice. They were recognised for their courageous fight for freedom of expression in the Philippines and Russia. And how about the one for physics? Okay, so this is straight off the Nobel Prize website, this little quote. They put a little snippet on there. So the Nobel Prize in physics was awarded to three scientists who work whose work laid the foundation of our knowledge of the Earth's climate and how humanity influences it. The winners are Sukuro Manabi of Princeton University, Klaus Hasselmann of the Max Planck Institute for Meteorology in Hamburg, and Giorgio Parisi of the Sapienza University in Rome. Hopefully I've got them right. Um, but it's interesting, though. I've said a few names there. How is that, how is that possible? Yeah, so it's maximum three people can be awarded as a Nobel Prize laureate for a field in one year. So yeah. that's the max people who can be contributed to the work that has then provided humankind with the, the best advancement that year. Or there is one slight um, asterisk to that, and it can be that it can go to an organisation. So, for example, the Red Cross has won the Nobel Peace Prize for their efforts towards humanity and improving humanity and um, moving forward. They won it three times as well, haven't they? They're the only, only well, people, no person has won it three times, but they've won it three times. And if an organisation wins it, you then can't say that you have won the Nobel Peace Prize uh, or you, no, you've won the, the prize. It, it never then gets postponed to, bestowed to the person who then runs that organisation. So the CEO of the Red Cross or what have you, it is yeah. the organisation that, that wins it, which yeah. I thought was quite interesting. 
there's loads of little facts and bits and bobs around this, isn't there as well? Like we didn't mention, like they don't announce the nominees for 50 years. So even if you've been nominated, if you don't win it, you don't even know you've been nominated. The whole process is secretive. So of these like 200 people that are nominated for something each year by all of these academics or whatever, it's 50 years before you can find out that you've even been nominated. Yeah. But you can find that out on their website. They've got like a database of all the, of all the parsons, but obviously you're going to have to go back to whatever it'd be like 1971 is the yeah. earliest one you can find out. Yeah. yeah. So interestingly, this is a, another little, little fact that could have been a takeaway. Professor Stephen Hawking never won a Nobel prize in all of his work that he did, even though he's super wow. famous and like really revered. And he obviously he's passed away now, but he's got, got to wait a flipping long time to find out or his family does to see if he ever actually got nominated. Did he get close to winning one even? Yeah. And he can't, you can't win them post, what's the word? Posthumously, posthumously. I don't know how you Post- say that word. Posthumously. <laughs> posthumously. But I say post, obviously. <laughs> That's funny. Someone else can rinse me on that. Posthumously. Um, yeah, so you can't, but there was, a, did you read the story about the guy who won it and then died like three days after being announced as the winner? So they had to like, they had to reread all of the stuff that Noble wrote about his thing to see whether it's in the rules, like what the rules are. No, he died three days back. before. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. So because we were going back, you know, back a bit of time, news didn't travel as fast back then and also you don't know if you've been nominated or not so it's not like you yeah. could then ring them up and say oh sorry just to let you know we know he was nominated yeah, okay. but he's passed away so he he was nominated for it he died three days before the announcement yeah. of who had won it and he obviously then wasn't there to be able to collect his prize but they decided because he'd been announced as the winner he would then still get to have his Nobel Prize okay yeah but yeah you you can't you can't um yeah, you can't win it after after you've died i guess so i've had a story of, of they also they can't take them back can they there's like a like a pretty solid rule that once yes. they once they've once once you've won one um i don't know if, if you do something controversial or something or whatever um, it can't be revoked what was the one that there was a, an interesting story about this wasn't there where somebody did something it was very acclaimed he won a prize but then Turns out it wasn't quite what was expected. Yeah. A Danish physician, Johannes Fibiger, I might have got that wrong. He won the 1926 Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine for demonstrating that roundworm caused cancer in rats and mice. The only problem was that a few years later, they realised that it didn't. <laughs> and, uh, oh, dear. <laughs> he'd already been given it. And um, someone at the Karolinska Institute, who he said... Uh, um, they're in charge of giving out this prize. They have since said uh, in 2010, it's one of their biggest blunders that they've ever made. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah, giving them something for something that's so good and then gone, well, that's not actually true. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. There's, um, there's a, a massive range in terms of the age of people that have won Nobel Prizes as well, haven't there? So the youngest person to ever win a Nobel Prize was the Pakistani human rights advocate, Malala Yousafzai, and she won the Nobel Peace Prize in 2014 when she was 17 years old. Nuts, isn't it? And then right at the other end of the spectrum, did you see who this was? Yeah, he was 90. It was a, uh, yeah, a 90-year-old one, yeah. didn't he? He he won the the one for economics for economics. He was a, an economist, 
Leonid Hurwitz, who won it in 2007 at the age of 90. So yeah, all the way from 17 to the age of 90, they've been winners. And in Alfred Noble's will, didn't he say as well that he made it quite clear that it is meant for anyone? He didn't say, he sort of stipulated that, didn't he as well? Yeah, the quote is, so this is directly from him. It is my express wish that when awarding the prizes, no consideration be given to nationality, but that the prize be awarded to the worthiest person, whether or not they're Scandinavian. So I think he's sort of saying there, just, you know, it doesn't matter who it is, they should get the prize. Yep. Yeah, which is um, super cool. There is some um, controversy, though, isn't there? There's a couple of, like, uh, sticky points. Yeah, and it it seems to maybe come more around the the Nobel Peace Prize. Well, it certainly seemed to me where more of the, the controversies seem to come around. And that one is because it's not always as clear cut in you know what has happened one of the one of the controversial ones i read about was obama okay so barack obama in 2009 he won the nobel peace prize but we were talking about the how long the process is for the nominations when the cutoff is and, and everything obama would have had to have been nominated for the prize that year after a very very short time less than a month being in office. Oh, wow. So what would he have been able to achieve to deserve that award? So sometimes it, it sort of looked at that it could be used for political reasons rather because then it gets more um, awareness raising it as well. So yeah. it, it, was, it was almost like what he was expecting to do rather than what he had done already. What were some of the controversies that you saw? Yeah, I read, I read something similar because what happens is the people that can make the most change regarding peace nowadays tend to be politicians. Whereas when Nobel started the prize, I think he was a bit more like rosier about like who can just people who go and help out the world peacefully. Um, so, but what happens is obviously these, these politicians, they sort of make a peaceful change somewhere, but then they're also maybe at war somewhere else. Do you know what I mean? Like one man's peace is, is war to someone else. So should they be getting the prize? That sounds deep. And, uh, yeah, that's a deep one, that is. But it's, you know, like you go and save the planet over there, but actually you're at war with someone over there. So are you actually helping the world peacefully? Like, yeah, don't know. Another one, another quite a big deal, though, is is the lack of women, isn't it? Um, yes. The lack of women winning the prize. I went in, we have a, a global studies lesson at school. I actually went in and mentioned that we were doing this. And one of the things that some of the students said was, uh, you know, about the lack of, female representation at the Nobel Prize. Have any, like, there's even like 58 women have won a prize, haven't they? Well, yeah, the, the numbers are, are vastly different. 58 women and 885 men. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, and then also 25, 25 organisations. But yeah, 58 women and 885 men. Yeah, yeah hopefully that's have. something that, that will just naturally change over time. Um, maybe it was, you know, a bit of an old boys club when it originally yeah. started. Possibly. Well, maybe we'll ask our expert, couldn't we? We could uh, try and raise that and just see what they say. Um, but yeah, I think they're the two main sorts of controversial issues, like the politics getting involved and, and just the lack of um, diversity as far as who's who's winning it, I guess. Yeah. Um, you got any nice little takeaways for us? Yes. Yeah, I have. And my one that I, I came across this week, which... I found quite interesting that people might be able to share as a story for my two guys, one topic takeaway 
is that sometimes, or twice actually, medals have been sold when people have been alive. So sometimes people okay. will sell the medals once somebody has died and, and they get tend to get between half a million and a million dollars for a medal. But somebody decided to, to sell their medal when they were alive. It was a biologist called James Watson, and he was the person who deciphered DNA's double helix. So oh, I know right. that's something that you know all about, but don't worry, Liam, I don't need you to tell us all what that is. But so he decided to sell his medal, auctioned it off for $4.7 million. And it was won by the Russian billionaire, Usmanov, the guy. Okay. He's the guy who owns Arsenal Football Club, isn't he? Yeah, a chunk of it. I don't know how much of it, but yeah. But he okay. he then decided, so he just won this medal at auction for $4.7 million. He then decided to give the medal back to James Watson, but he said that, the money that he'd won for it should be going towards additional research within that field of study. So quite cool. So $4.7 million and then just gave the medal back and said, here you go. Here's some money to further your research. Gave him the best part of $5 million just to carry on researching. Yeah. Wow. I quite like that one. How about you, Liam? What's your two guys, one topic takeaway? I've got two in front of me, which is annoying because I'm not really allowed to have two. Oh, throw in a double. Throw a double bubble. Right. Number one, Mary Curie. We've all heard of her, right? She won the physics prize in 1903 with her husband. But then she also won the chemistry prize in 1911, right? So that's pretty, you know, there's not many people have won it twice. She won it twice. But then her daughter and her husband won the physics prize in 1937. And then Marie Curie's son-in-law, Henry, he won the Nobel Peace Prize on behalf of UNICEF in 1965. So the Curie <laughs> family are all over this. <laughs> <laughs> what sort of family is that? They're changing the world all over the place. They got that sewn up, haven't they? That must have been That's like interesting nuts. Sunday Sunday dinners. Yeah, <laughs> so good. Like, how clever must that family be? Like, they're they're changing the world, physics and chemistry and peace. They're like whatever. We got it all sewn up. Um, and my other one, there's a quick one. There's a guy called Joe John Bardeen. He won the physics Nobel Prize in 1956, and he turned up to the awards without his family. Um, and when the king of Sweden gave him the award, he was like, where's your family? And this guy was like, well, you know, they're not here, not interested or whatever. Um, and the king told him off. He's like, you know, your, your family should be here. You're winning this big prize. Okay. He said to the king, don't worry. Next time I'll bring my family along. Right. That's pretty ballsy. But 16 years later, he wins another prize. <laughs> turns up with his family. Brilliant. Then, you know, told you so. <laughs> That's so good. That's so good. That's so cool, isn't it? Like, imagine being like winning it once, but winning it twice. That's unbelievable. <laughs> With them um, just thinking about that, Marie Curie's family. Do you think it comes back to, or maybe like starts to get into our controversies about who nominates them? And if you're already known, like if you're the the son or the daughter of a great Nobel Prize winner already, you might get noticed more easily. Yeah, I'd read that. Yeah, it's a bit like you know, if you've got a famous dad nowadays, you know, suddenly you've already got a billion Instagram followers just because your dad's really famous. It's that sort of thing, isn't it? Like yeah. you've already got a following, you know, as soon as Mary Curie's daughter released her first paper on whatever it might've been, suddenly everybody's like, Oh, it's Mary Curie's daughter. I better read this. So she gets a bit more, more eyes on her work, I guess. Yeah. But not to take anything away from her. Oh no, absolutely <laughs> not. No, that's just, that's, that's isn't it? Mate, Wait, way better know. than what we could do. <laughs> yeah. By a hell of a long way. <laughs> Listen to us. I mean, every time we talk about space or something complicated, we don't really know what we're talking about. <laughs>
How have you found uh, the topic this week, Liam? Well, hopefully it sounds like, like just you listening to us talk, we, we definitely have learned about it this week. Oh, you know, we, yeah. we've come at this one almost from nothing. And I mean, just knowing that it's not the Nobel Peace Prize, it's the Nobel Prize. And yep. that there's five of them, uh, physics, chemistry, physiology or medicine, literature. We haven't really touched on it. I mean, you mentioned poetry, just that there's one for, for writing something, um, which I think is pretty good. Yeah, and, and peace. Uh, yeah, I didn't know there was five of them. Didn't know who Alfred Noble was. Didn't know much about it, really, did we? But no. I think we do now. I think that for, for me, looking into this, there were some similarities when we started doing the Michelin star. And when we did our episode, our topic on the Michelin star, like how all of that started, had like yeah. no idea. And with this, no idea who or why it started. Um, so yeah, found it, found it super interesting. Hopefully hold a conversation with somebody about the Nobel Prize now. Yeah, like you said, I think it's really interesting that he started it to basically change how people think about him. I think yeah. that's quite, it's pretty cool, isn't it? Like, well, I got all this money, I could give it to people, or I could really try and change the sort of, and also sort of change the world, I guess, because now people try and win this prize. So yes. he's sort of promoting people trying to go out there and actually do stuff. Yeah. Um, Get this coveted prize. Yeah. Amazing. So we have got a topic expert interview, though, coming out Friday. Be sure to check that out. That's on this topic. But there is a more important thing. As we approach the end of series three, we end the series on four of the same episodes. There will always be Ollie's choice, my choice, a listener choice, and, a, and another thing. But I think you're going first this time. So Ollie's about to tell us, and I don't know this, so this is quite exciting. Ollie's going to tell us, spoiler alert, what next week's topic is actually about. Okay. So my topic, Liam, this is the first time you've heard it, is the female menopause. (laughs) Oh, crap. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Let's start next week's episode right now. What do I know about the female menopause? Nothing. I probably know less about this than I did wine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm only joking, Liam. That's not my topic. I just thought I'd put it on the spot. So my, my topic for next week is preppers so these people who are preparing for the end of the world or for an apocalypse like i've I've heard about preppers but i don't really know much about them so that is my topic for next week hi preppers it is let's get it right everybody thanks for listening hope you've enjoyed this pod learn a little bit about um, the nobel prize as always please send us some comments or hit us up on social media at two guys one topic and we will be sure to come back next week with our episode ollie's choice all about preppers and in the meantime send us any of your suggestions for the listener episode in two weeks time get out there and share some knowledge